He stands six feet two inches tall, weighing in at 170 and one half pounds, fighting at a Ballymena, Northern Ireland, Reese Skeletor McKay. If I, if someone rung me and asked me to fight tomorrow, I, I would probably end up there. You know, I think I believe if you're if fighting what you love and what you really want, and someone rings and asks what you go and do, it and you're in any way able to, then you then you get it done. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to MMA March Madness here on the podcast. I'm Darren Potts. I'll be your host throughout this month of brilliant MMA chats. Yes, I said it. Brilliant MMA chats. Not thanks to me. Thanks to my guests. They are outstanding. First up is Reese McKee. Reese, as you know, from Ballymena, Northern Ireland. Stealth, Rodney Moore's gym, Cage Warriors UK and UFC. What a resume. What a CV. What pedigree Reese has. We get into a bit about Reese's journey on this conversation. We get into his mindset. The key word is obsessed, and we talk about Reese's obsession. But before we get to Reese, please remember to follow me Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at The Podcast. Also, the rest of the month looks like this Grant Dawson. He fights on March 20th. Podcast will be out on the 12th of March. Look out for that one. 16 wins, 14 finishes, unbeaten in the UFC. Really cool guy. Raphael Stotts, bantamweight fighter, in contention for a bantamweight title shot in Bellator. Smiting Sam Alvey, he knows it's winner bust in the UFC for him. And finally, we close the month with Scotty Stockman, a person you probably don't know, but he's just relocated all the way across America from Oregon to Wisconsin. It took him 36 hours in the car. He's going to be training alongside Sergio and Anthony Pettis and Tyron Woodley under Duke Rufus. So make sure you check that podcast out. But without further ado... It is the one, the only, the obsessed Skeletor, Reese McKay. Five, four, three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Potscast. I'm your host, Darren Potts, and I'm delighted to have someone here that I've wanted to chat to for quite a long time. It's a man from Valamina, Reese Skeletor McKay. Reese, welcome to the podcast. Yes, mate. Thank you very much for having me on. The pity I'm coming so tired and breathing heavy, but um, <laughs> I'm in I got it done. Uh, well, he's been, he's been out doing his workout this morning. Um, he's bounced on the call here right after his workout. He's sweaty, but he committed to me. And here he is. He's here. <laughs> he's here to answer some of my crazy questions and some of yours as we get to the Q&A at the end from what you guys have submitted on Instagram. But, but Reese, for maybe some people who don't know you, if I was to say, who is Reese McKee? Tell me a bit about yourself. Yeah, good question. I'm still I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, yeah, you know, and just uh, like obviously my career has came through MMA, and you know, uh, since I was 16, I've been I've been working towards a goal that was the UFC, and uh, you know, I'm now 25. So, and amongst them years was many fights and uh, many losses and many wins, and and here we are. So you know, I guess you would have to best know me from the the MMA scene, especially you know from Balmain. It's not a big town, so. Or a big country for that matter in Northern Ireland. Let's talk about Ballymena, Northern Ireland. I want to know from your perspective, you're, you're growing up and I heard an interview with you in the past where you were playing football for a while and then you jacked it in and you started mixed martial arts or was it a specific type of training? First of all, was it kickboxing, wrestling or what drew you to MMA? Uh, 
what drew me there was again, as you said, uh, it was fitness for for uh, for football. Uh, but from that, really, I just went into MMA. You know, I, I had no real um, opportunity to box or or kickbox or do any of that stuff before. So, you know, I'm kind of from the hybrid of the next generation of MMA, where just on MMA. And, and to be honest, I, I'm glad because it means you don't have this foundation art to fall back on. When everything goes pear shaped, you know, you'll see a lot of boxers that were boxers before MMA and they can't get out of that way of boxing. So, you know, it's a good it's a good way I started, I believe. And what about in Balamina itself? Was it somewhere in Balamina you went at 16? Yeah, I went into Rodney Murr uh, next gen. So actually Rodney was my neighbour when I used to live in Randallstown. Um, and, you know, I always, I always knew him as this like tattooed madman from, from my estate. But then when I kind of looked into it, I realized that he was an MMA guy. And, and long story short, uh, you know, we got in touch with him and signed up to the gym. And, and that was a game when I was 16. So it's been a blast. And what's the local support in Balamina like? Not only just for you, but in the MMA scene in general. Yeah, you know what? It's uh, it's, it's pretty fantastic. Um, you know, Balamina and Northern Ireland in general, you know, as you'll know, it's quite a negative little country. So I think... Um, at the start, you know, it's hard for uh, for a young guy trying to make it in the town. Like, you know, the first few years, you know, you probably, a lot of people said you couldn't do it and a lot of people laughed and stuff. And then, you know, a typical Northern Ireland culture, as you start to do a bit better, they start to change in their approach and, you know, suddenly you're you're the best thing since sliced bread. So, um, but like, I mean, the support's good, but I'm also very aware of you have to go for that nice little starting point that's, that's a bit trickier for the young ones. I think that's a key thing, isn't it? When we talk about support and especially locally as you rightly say whenever you're starting out there's skepticism there's people looking at you maybe saying what is he at um why doesn't he go and get a, a proper job all this sort of stuff but then you start to get pro- you go professional you start to go places you're fighting in cage wars you end up in the ufc and people are like oh th- th- this this is what it is but yeah. and it's something i i hate the fickleness of fans and i don't expect you to comment on that being in your position but Certainly when we've seen, and we'll talk about Conor McGregor here briefly, because I want to know about his impact, not only on you, but on MMA in Northern Ireland, in Ireland and the UK in general. But we've seen Conor lose last weekend and all of a sudden the memes are going around. You know, he's being mocked, he's being laughed at, but we forget the rise. We forget where he came from. We forget the position in life he's in now and the fickleness of fans, really. it's, it's For me as an MMA fan, it's quite frustrating to see sometimes. And from from your perspective, what what about let's chat a little bit just about Conor McGregor because I like the overlap. If you started around seven years ago or eight years ago, it would have been around 2013, which is when he was making his debut in the UFC, making waves, sound bites, eyes are starting mm-hmm. to turn to that product. But who's this loudmouth Irish guy? Yeah. What, what's your thoughts on Conor? Um, on sort of really his his recent um loss and how does he bounce back? Yeah, I, I listen. I think Conor McGregor is fantastic. Um, you know, you'll not hear anybody uh, sing his praises as much as me. You know, I remember it was actually after sparring one day. I came home and and I heard about this guy that was training in Iceland for a while, and he was a he was a uh, from from Dublin, and it turned out to be McGregor. He was fighting. You know, the fight he had. I think it was Ivan Bushinger, or I, I think that's who it was. And that was the first I heard of him. Uh, and from there, he went on to do what he's done. And you know, I don't think I've missed a, a live fight of his. And, say that every time he's he's you know what he's done is is absolutely phenomenal and you know i don't i don't know if i would be in this position if it wasn't for the eyes he brought to the sport that gave us the opportunities to do what we've done 
Um, you know, after you know he had a, he's had a tough loss here against Dustin, one that he definitely felt he wasn't planning to lose or going to lose. But to be honest, I think whatever McGregor wants to do, he will do, and whatever he touches will turn to money as well. So he's not in a bad position at all to be in. But um, you know, I think he's fantastic. What he's done for Irish MMA and MMA in the whole in the whole world is is ridiculous. I think those mainstream crossover stars, and when I say that, I maybe think of like a Brock Lesnar, I think of a Ronda Rousey, and I think of Conor McGregor. And I think that's key for the MMA sport as a sport that's maybe kind of just been pushed to the corner and looked at as, oh, that's what some people do. But especially over home, people focus on rugby and the football and stuff. Um, for you being an MMA fighter, and I know you run your own gym and we'll talk about that in a little sec, but for you, that's obviously a good thing eyes on the product, eyes on the, on the fight business. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, the more the more people I can get to not have to explain to MMA or to explain what MMA is, is fantastic. And Conor McGregor's done that job for me. So, uh, like, as McGregor was, you know, as he was less known, I had to, you know, oh, I do MMA and what's that as a kid? But McGregor's done my job for me. He's, you know, the whole country knows what MMA is. I mean, they might address it as that what Conor McGregor does. But they still know what it is, um, you know. So it's so. It's, listen again. I can't stress how big, a uh, bigger part he's done unintentionally. You know, he, he's literally just put the company on the map. Hundred ten percent. Talk to me about stealth. Um, you're sitting in stealth right now. You've just done a workout. You're doing video workouts for for a team that signed up for some classes for you. How did stealth start? Why did stealth start? Give me the bit of the the bit of the journey. Yeah, well, still it's been a crazy journey. Like it's kind of it's been a big snowball effect. Um, I uh, I ran an MMA gym in a town called Kilray, close to here. Um, you know, uh, it, listen, it was nothing fancy. It was nothing. It was not not even that nice. It had leaks in the roof, and you know, I kind of won it until it worked. Um, but we we were very successful there. We ran a few programs. Had a actually had a little fight show, and then long story short, once we started to see what we could do and and a relatively rubbish unit. Um, it opened my eyes to be like, you know, what if, what if this was uh, rejigged and put in a nice place with, you know, the the world class branding and and the world class programming and all that good stuff. And, and long story short, a unit came up in Balamina and um, we made it happen. You know, I brainstormed with a few guys, come up with the brand, come up with everything that it is, and you know, they put the wheels in motion and and still's here. I think it must be a year and a half, just over a year later, and. You know, it's it's exceeded all my expectations already. Why the name? Where'd the name come from? Ah, good question. Well, I wanted to call stealth incognito. Incognito means, uh, you know, private, privacy, um, secretive, you know, doesn't need to be a lot of noise, a lot of good stuff. Because uh, it, it is a private training facility, I, I liked incognito training. Um, then it... Then it kind of came up. There was a, there was another one I can't even remember, but stealth. You know, everybody knows what stealth mode is. Like very, you know, very quiet, secretive again. And and we took out a few letters of it and made it look a bit nicer. And and now we have stealth with S T L T H rather than the E and A in there. So I, I like I like the name stealth, and I just think it's um it's it's very well branded in my opinion. And if anyone's listening to this who is from Northern Ireland. I have a few friends who who love the MMA stuff. I know they haven't been to your gym or anything like that, but say they want to get in touch, say they want to have a go or sign up for classes, where can they find you guys online? Yeah, we operate mostly on Instagram. Uh, so if they want to do it, it's at stealth underscore. So um, just fire us a message and, and we'll get back to you for sure. But it's, yeah, it's very, very accessible and very easy to get started. 
Well, I discovered it on Instagram. There's a Facebook page as well. I know you said you mostly operate on Instagram. So guys, if you're listening and you're interested in anything, get in touch with Reese through Stealth on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. But I want to get back to your story now. And I want to know a bit about your journey. So 16, 17 years old, you're starting out in this MMA scene. It's obviously goes pretty well for you. You start fighting amateurs and all this sort of stuff. And it's slowly, slowly building. What is the reaction like from your girlfriend, partner at the time, from your family, from your friends? Are they all thinking you're nuts or are they all going to go for it? Yeah, well, in my amateur career, it was, it was very much a solo affair. Like, you know, I didn't have a girlfriend at the time. Uh, my parents were still skeptical. Um, you know, everybody was kind of like, didn't really realize what it was just yet. And, and I suppose I didn't either. It was all like, I can't say that when I stepped in an MMA gym at 16, that it was, I wanted it to be a career. You know, I didn't even know it was, I didn't even know it was possible. I just kind of kept winning fights, like kind of by accident. I was training and winning and it was going well. And, and then I think as I was getting towards the tail end of an amateur career, like I started to kind of realize where it was kind of going. And um, then, you know, the support, like my mum and dad were, were in it. My brother was in it. Like my friends were loving it. Like my training partners, were, like everybody then becomes a supporter. I think, but it's like anything in life. Once, once people uh, realize that you want it and you're serious and you're willing to do the time, then, how can you not support that person? You just mentioned when you're serious, when you're committed, when you want to do the time, talk to me about that self-belief. Talk to me about that strong mindset needed to succeed. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like I've got obsessed tattooed on my bicep. Actually, and it's like, <laughs> I, I, I believe you need to be obsessed. Like, um, you know, when I was 16, 17, 18, you know, and right up until now, like, it has to be probably the last and first thing you think of once when you're going to sleep and when you're waking up, like it needs to be based around that. Um, you know, a lot of people will say obsession's unhealthy, but I don't know. I, I don't know how unobsessed people can compete with obsessed people when it comes to preparing to fight that person. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that obsession. So you're getting ready for a fight or maybe you're in camp and your fight's a couple of weeks away. You're waking up in the morning thinking, I need to practice this or he does this. How do I avoid that? Is that basically what's going on or is it deeper than that? Maybe, yeah, it is like that, minus the part so much about what they really do. For me, it's about like, right, I need to make sure this is as sharp as it can be or I need to make sure, you know, my weight's on point. So blah, blah, blah. You need it like everything aligns towards me and me being the best product. Don't get me wrong, there, there's training sessions or, or you, like we're only human, you think about your opponent too, but. You know, if you know he's a good game, then, then there will be nights uh, designed around caring for that. But it is on your mind every every minute of the day. Um, you know, whether you're eating your dinner, like it'll, it'll creep in there eventually. And again, it's how you deal with that creeping in. If you can, if you can, if you can even cope with it, because there's no switch off. <laughs> and you're right. There is no switch off, especially in in the fight business when there's late call ups, when there's a phone ringing on here. Do you want this fight? You always have to be ready in some aspect and is that difficult or is that just part of the obsession part of the lifestyle for, for me no um but on the outside in yes like i've told fighters to turn short notice fights down uh, loads of times like if, if a corner or if, if i'm asked to corner someone on five days and they ask me what i go do i'm like you know should you take the fight but then when it comes to me like you you couldn't ring me now and ask me if I, if someone rung me and asked me to fight tomorrow i would probably end up there um you know i think i believe if you're if fighting's what you love and what you really want and someone rings and asks what you go and do it and you're in any way uh perform or able to then you then you get it done um you know for me it's a lot of like 
like don't don't just talk the talk you have to walk the walk and um it's really that simple for me part of walking that walk is the weight game and is the question i want to ask you about cutting weight staying close to your fight weight how do you plan all that? What is that like? What is an actual cut a couple of days before a fight or the night before a fight? What is that like? Um, you know what? It used to be it used to be very different when I was fighting at one fifty five, uh, which is lightweight, uh, seventy kilo. Um, it was traumatic. It was traumatic. Like I walk about I'm about eighty six kilo now. Uh, when I was fighting at lightweight, I'm maybe a bit lighter. So when I was fighting at that weight, you were talking cutting eight kilo in twelve hours, which is like. It's a lot of weight in, in 12 hours. Now I'm fine at 77. You know, the night before, I'll maybe cut four kilo, which, I mean, it's still not pretty. You're ne- you're never going to wake up and, and ask to cut four kilo, but, you know, you get it done when you've, you've got a fight. And, you know, like, um, yeah, it's a lot better. It's a lot more positive than it was when I was a lightweight. But, yeah, it's still tough and requires discipline. And, you, you know, it makes you realize if you if you really want it, that's for sure as well. Mm-hmm. It leads all back to, I think, what you talked about earlier, the obsession and being obsessed with the fight business, being obsessed with performing, achieving. Is there any ever, do you ever feel any pressure from maybe <laughs> maybe not so much people putting it on you, but anything you pressure you put on yourself? Yeah, you know what? You, you answered the question yourself. Like the only pressure I will ever feel really is, is the pressure I like. I know how, I know what I'm capable of. I know how good I am, and I'm not in a big head away. Like I don't listen if, if the paper says, "Oh, Rich McKee bound for this." I, I really not that I don't, I don't care. I definitely care, but it doesn't. It, I, I don't buy into that. But when it's my own pressure, I buy into that. But mm. you know, I, I don't feel I don't feel like it's a negative thing on my on my career at all. Um, I feel it gets me ready, and you know, I know what I'm capable of, and, and that's all that's important. So, yes, there is a pressure, but not in the the negative way everybody believes. You've talked earlier about your family beginning to support you as you got further on this journey. You talked about Rodney Moore's gym. Talk to me a bit about that support system as a whole. Talk to me about the gym. Talk to me about the camaraderie in the gym. Talk to me about how you feel supported to do what you do and to continue to be obsessed with, with fighting. Yeah, you know what? There's some fantastic questions here. Props for you. Some great questions. Um, like the... I grew up... like. I grew up in the gym uh, and someone actually said that to me recently, like, you know, in, in an interview, it's like, you kind of grew up in your gym and it's like, I kind of didn't get it. But like, I came in there at 16 and you know, when you're 16, you're naive, you know, you kind of don't know, like, not that I know that much now, but I know a bit more. Uh, but when you're 16, you really don't know much. So to grow up with the team that I grew up, like Rodney's kind of, like Rodney's seen me through every major life decision I've had and, and trained me during that so like you know you owe a lot to your gym mates and, and your gym buddies like you know you kind of don't really realize like they are, they are like family and brothers and sisters and you know they play a massive massive role and you know sometimes I see my training partners more than I see Rebecca and um, more than I see my family and you know but th- this is it like it has to all come from that obsession and you know what it's just the life Hey, I was on a previous podcast with a guy who has a fight coming up in UFC, Kevin Kroom. And one of the things that Kevin said was the actual camaraderie in his gym at times has probably saved his life. He got a call to the UFC, for example. I'll tell you this quick story. And I want to ask about how it affects your mindset. Kevin got a call for the UFC. He flew to Vegas for the fight, tested positive for COVID and got cut and sent back and his contract was done. 
They cut his contract, everything. Two days before the fight, he got the call. He jumped on a plane that night, went to Vegas, found out on the plane who he was fighting. He got cut and he said a couple of years ago, he just threw a rope up and jumped out of a tree because his mindset was just gone. But wow. his is that, gym... Is that, cur- is that a current story? I don't know if that's big, but he told me that on, on the podcast. Um, but like is, he, is he cut from the USC now? No, 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 he's back in. He ba- he's back in. Wow. He, ha- he had um, he get called up again a couple of months later, and it was actually because he when he came back, he was gutted, but his gym, um, he's trained by James Christ, if you know James. And mm-hmm. um, he says that gym and that camaraderie and that team bondingness like really saved his life. He says wow. that they just said to him, look, forget about it. Just keep working hard and see what happens. And again, about three, four months later, he got another phone call, come down for a fight, came down one on his debut. Um, <laughs> and his life just changed. And it's incredible when you hear those stories. And you mentioned yeah. Rebecca there. You mentioned Rodney. Mm-hmm. When you've had a bad day, when you've had a bad training session, when you're at your lowest, when you're lying in bed and you can't sleep and you're staring at the roof and you're frustrated, how do you, who picks you up or how do you get up the next day? Yeah, good question. You know, and, and again, it's, to be honest, Rebecca is the only person I like. Not that like I, I'm a massive family man, but especially with COVID recently, like you only really see like I only really see Rebecca. So you know, if I'm having a bad day at training, or I'm getting cut from the UFC, or I'm signing to the UFC, then mm-hmm. Rebecca picks the brunt of it up, really. So um, you know what? It's just I think I think it's probably a lot of it about just being comfortable in your situation and knowing you can go home and and relax and, and not stress and you don't need answers all the time sometimes it's okay to not be okay and you know if you do need to talk then you talk and, and uh, you know I think you know not that there's a bigger picture because we're talking about obsession and the obsession with the sport but you know like there's so many variables of life and you know you can get caught up in negative stuff about a bad training session you have to let it go and, and get up the next day and go for it you know I'm getting a bit deep with the answer but you know that the real thing is you have to just shake it off and go for it. And, and that's all you really can do. I love the fact you're going deep and it's kind of what I want to do in, in, in this podcast. I like getting into people's head and seeing how they think and why they think that way, rather than say, here, talk me through that fight. Because I feel like there's I'm the so guy, many... I'm the guy for it because you ask the right questions and before you know it, you, you'll be sitting here for an hour and I'll be telling you everything. <laughs> Let's do it, mate. You want to sit for an hour? We can sit for an hour. But <laughs> it's incredible too. And one of the things I've seen when I've done a bit of research into you, um, and this will sound so trivial maybe to some people listening, but I think it's a big thing because it helps me with my mental health. And I'm trying to think how it would affect yours. Taking the dog out and going for a walk and playing with a pup. How big is that for you? <laughs> wow the dogs are the babies they um, are mate they are <laughs> like it, it's ridiculous you know what I wasn't actually that much of a dog person like actually not that I didn't like them that much but me and Rebecca used to joke about a dog or not really joke we wanted a dog and then we put it on the shelf and then one day we one Friday I'll never forget it we woke up and we were looking in Gumtree and there was this dog no there, yes there was this dog and we didn't get that dog and then long story short half an hour and we seen the most random ad and we went before you know it we went and got Ali uh, the dog and like from there, like just literally just your best mate, but doesn't talk back. It's fantastic. <laughs> is that a, is that a just shot like, at Mark? Just, is that um, a shot at Mark? Is it? You know what? They're, <laughs> they're just like they're just you know what? They're just fantastic. They're they're just you know they don't listen to you, but you think they do listen to you. And you know I've had some of like the like the best kind of probably internal conversations when you're walking with your dog, like just thinking, and you know you just sign out. So now we've got Dora, and uh, it's a bit crazy at the minute. So. Um, it's fantastic yeah anybody that doesn't have a dog 
needs to get a dog. <laughs> 100%. And being a huge animal person, I'll get mocked for even saying this. There's a huge amount of dogs that need homes in Northern Ireland. Find one, get one if you're looking at a dog. Absolutely. But back back to the, the fight game. You've, you're, you, told, you told me you fought at lightweight and you moved to welterweight. You've actually won a title at lightweight. Why the change? Um, just like I was just like affecting my health so much. Um, I was starting to fall out of love with MMA. Like I kind of didn't even really like during the fight camp. Like once you got past the six week window before your fight, which is a like which is over a month, like it's a month and a half, give or take. Like you just kind of like it was all about weight. It was just all about weighing your food. It was all about having like no energy. Like I remember, you know, I was going to bed at half eight, nine o'clock straight after training because I was so tired. I just had no carbs, I had low calories. And, you know, I just fell so out of love with the sport. But then I realized when I was in between camps and I was just eating what I want, I loved it again. You know, so you start to fill in the blanks and, and you realize like from se- severe deprivation of calories, like how could you love it? You know, like, I couldn't, I didn't even want, I didn't even want to do it. I was just lazy in life. Uh, was that your decision then based on what you'd noticed about your sort of personality and your energy levels or was there any form of coaching and decision making behind it at all? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of lucky in, in the aspect of like, you know, like my coaches are kind of, they kind of go with what I think. They'll give their opinion for sure. But at the end of the day, it's me that has to sit in the bath. It's me that has to cut the weight. Uh, you know, Rebecca obviously had a massive opinion. Uh, you know, again, she'll support what I want to do, but I know for a fact that it affected her quality of life. It, affect, it definitely affected mine. And I just didn't, I didn't like the, not the person I was becoming, that sounds very dramatic, but I didn't like the, just kind of the lack of stuff I was getting done due to, due to lack of calories. Let's talk of something that probably hit home very, very hard for you and hit home very, very hard for probably everyone around the world. Mm-hmm. You've just opened the gym. You know, your gym's about a year old and COVID hits. What's your thinking? How do you get through COVID? How do you stay positive? How do you still motivate the guys who had signed up for your gym? Yeah, you know, um, I laughed at COVID at the start. Um, me and Rebecca were going to Portugal or coming back and there was people wearing face masks in an airport. And I was like, that's, you know, can you imagine wearing a face mask? Long story short, we're here, I don't know, almost a year after. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, a, it's a global pandemic. When it, like like when it first came in again until it shut the gym I didn't really I didn't really know much you know but for like like as a business owner and I, and I probably speak for a lot you have two choices again with anything in life you you, you have to pivot and go for it and, and make it work or you shut up shop and you just hide under a rock and then you know see what you can do then for us it was only ever one choice you know we're a proactive team we're a young team um there was only ever one option and, and we brought everything online best we can. And, you know, t- like, again, not, this isn't one of them ego trips, but like, I believe we do lockdown better than any gym I've seen anyway. Is there much overlap between your professional fighting and what you're doing at Stealth? Because I'm seeing some similarities in terms of the obsession, the desire to make it good, the desire to make it great, engaging. Do you notice any overlaps? Oh, for sure. Um, <clears throat> I would say, you know, fighting, fighting's first. Fighting's definitely first. But I'm equally as obsessed with stealth and and it's um and it's and it's where it's going. It's projection. You know, like uh, yeah, I, I'm obsessed to make this thing the best it can be. Um, you know, 
like yeah, a hundred percent. There's definitely you know the work efforts the same, the the obsession the same, the first and last thing when you go to sleep and wake up, it's the exact same. You know, uh, Rebecca works here now, which is fantastic. So that gives me more of an obsession to make it work. You know, it's just it's it's yeah, it's eyes on the ball all the time. I think that's so important, and I think when some of the the gym attendees gym members start listening to this podcast and hear that from you it's infectious as well i think whenever it's driven at the top that filters down mm -hmm. and that's certainly noticeable from your conversation and from your demeanor and the content that you're putting out online and it's brilliant to see especially during covid when people really do need that hand and yeah. that push and that lift like for sure and like you know i think i, I don't think there's one gym member, you know I, i'm pretty sure they'll end up listening to this and there's not one of them that, that could say different till I have their back at all times, you know, and any of the coaching staff has their back at all times. And like, we're a real gym for real people. You know, there's no, it's not about the coaches. It's not about, you know, anything else. Like it, it's about the, the people that come through them doors. And, you know, I still look at them coming through the doors, even though they're not allowed, but they're still online. And, you know, so, yeah, I need to make sure, in my opinion, I need to make sure they have an option of activity every single day. Real gym for real people. I thought that was brilliant. That was a brilliant yeah. line. And I want to ask you about this now because coaching and coaching style, both for you as a coach and for you as a fighter being coached, I'm the type of person, I don't do well with the arm around the shoulder. I need to boot up the backside. So how do you differentiate whenever the, there's your gym members that need that boot up the backside or they need that arm around the shoulder? And how do you react? And what method do you serve best on? Uh, good, really good question. I, um, I believe I am very much a let's get it done type of guy. Um, you know, I don't like to look at a reason why not. I look, to a re I look for the reason why too. Um, you know, so if you can't do something, then what can we do and how do we do it now? Um, <laughs> there's, there's different coaching styles for sure. For me, I, I definitely believe I'm, I'm more of a, a commander than like, than a, you know, oh, do what you can. Um, you know, as much to many people discuss, I'm sure. As for me being coached, I like, it's going to sound, uh, uh, whatever you call it, hypocrite movie, but I like, I like relaxed, I like easy go easy, you know, but I find, like especially COVID, because all my coaching with a coach now is very one-to-one -one or two-to-one. Um, so there is a more relaxed atmosphere uh, opposed to maybe a year ago when there's a gym full of 18, 20 bodies. You know, it's a bit more intense, but it's also less less hands-on. So I find the relaxed atmosphere at the minute in the gym with it being so small-numbered, um, I do like it for sure. That's good. I think that's really, really good to hear. You know what I mean? How different people react in different ways. And you're, you understand that because you like to coach in one way, but you prefer to be coached in a different way. And I guess it's just how people react to the yeah. styles of coaching. Yeah, I also feel like, um, you know, there's something I actually talk about with a guy, a friend of mine, Nile. He, uh, we always talk about like, you have to read the client and, and read the room. You know, you'll always hear people talking about this read the room analogy and, you know, or know your audience is, is a better way to do it. Like you need to know how someone's to be coached. You know, if I get an 18 year old, um, never trained in a gym, quite introvert, very quiet. And I start roaring, right. Give me 10 burpees. You know, that's only go one way, you know, that's maybe someone that needs to go in a smaller class or, or whatever it may be. So reading the rooms very important as well, I believe. 10 burpees, 10 burpees now be out the door. It's my, it's between that and road running, the two most hated exercises. <laughs> I think for my road running abilities, um, I'm not a big runner myself, but 
yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about moving to the UFC. You got that phone call, or did you get a phone call? Did Rodney get a phone call? How did it happen? Yeah, you know, there I have the call with Graham, and I think everybody thinks that there was something before that. There was, you know, everybody says, "Oh, but what was the real call before?" And that was the first call because I have to, I had to ring Rodney after and actually tell him. So you know, it was uh, a Saturday in July, and me and Rebecca were about to have a barbecue. And the phone rings and it was something that I actually had a fight agreed in Manchester, I think, um, with Adam Proctor. And uh, I thought the, my manager was ringing me to talk about it, weirdly. And then he said about the UFC and, you know, it's it's hard, it's not hard to talk about it at all. But it, it's weird talking about it now because it was such a positive thing. But now the shine's maybe been took off because I'm not there no more. But I, I still have to remember that how nice a moment it was and how, how life-changing of a, of a moment it was. It was fantastic, unbelievable. I'll never forget it. Um, you know, So I can't let the shine of that go, but I, I am looking forward to getting the call again. Mm. You got that call and it was Fight Island. Talk to me about just flying to Fight Island, the experience of being in Fight Island, the whole COVID thing, the arena with no fans. Like As a fighter, you're usually in a, a arena with fans and it's loud and you hear the support and you hear shouting and all of a sudden you hear silence and just the corner. What is that like, that whole Fight Island experience? You know what? The whole week was that bizarre um, where by the time we got to the cage, um, nothing was normal anyway. Uh, you know, from that, what I mean is there was that much hectic medical things to fit in and, and to get done and then the, then the flight uh, across the world. And, you know, it was... To be honest, Fight Island was phenomenal. Like a lot, I, I heard a lot of fighters, especially in the UFC, which I find strange, complaining about being quarantined in a five-star hotel for four days. Where me, I was loving life. I was sleeping. I must have slept fourteen-hour days. It was fantastic. Um, and getting food fed to you, and you know, maybe woke up and done an interview, went back to sleep and watch TV. And like, I, I was having a great time. Fight Island, like, is unbelievable. And if anybody doubts that the UFC is is the pinnacle of the sport then, you know, they haven't got an insight or haven't seen Fight Island and what it is. Like, it's, like, top top of the top of the world. Whatever whatever you want it, you got uh, and got it done probably better than what you want it. I wasn't planning to ask this question, but because you've said something, I'm going to. You spent that week, you were sleeping, you caught a bit of TV. You didn't mention too much about training. So the week off the fight, you're, are you kind of done, you're prepared, and it's just about watching your weight and being fresh going into the fight? Or is there little light sessions or stretching? What happens in that, that final week? You know what? It was so strange because like, I wasn't training. I wasn't really, I wasn't training when I when I got the call for Kamza. Um, the first wrestling session I'd done was, so I signed uh, the fight on the, on the Saturday. Uh, the first training session I had was the Monday before the fight. That was the first I'd done in weeks. Um you know, I know we sparred a few weeks before that, but there was a four or five week where I hadn't done anything, and uh, bar hit a punch bag. So when I was when I was in Abu Dhabi, it was I was very conscious not to train too hard because I would have woke up sore. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it sounded like the malice approach. I was in the like I, I didn't even want I kind of didn't want to train hard because I, I knew I would wake up sore and and uh, you know like just eggy. So we done really really light sessions, like we're talking nine to twelve minutes. And that was all we done fight week. And, you know, I felt fresh. You know, I didn't feel injured or anything like that. I felt good. My my gas tank's always good anyway. So I wasn't I wasn't stressed or anything like that. I just relaxed and, and had a relaxing week. Relax a week and, and, until the fight. And I'm not going to go too much into the fight because I feel it's been covered. But 
specifically when that when that cage door closes and it's it's time to go what goes through your head or is there anything that goes through your head is it just kill or be killed or yeah kill or be killed is, is a great attitude uh, or it is definitely my attitude like you know as that, as that cage door is always shut like i'm walking forward looking to punch him before he punches me and and you know that's really it like i always have like yeah, no, that, that's exactly it. Walk forward and put hands, mm. put, put hands on them. As with the cams that fight, it was no different. You know what? I, I, listen, I know what the hype was. and You know, I have social media nowadays, so it's impossible to get away from it. But it was no different. It was going uh, put hands on him as soon as I could and, and, and try and get it done. Uh, obviously, it went the way it did. He, you know, he's fantastic at what he does. And, you know, he totally nullified my game, that's for sure. Talk to me about him. Um did you have any words with him after anything, any personal interaction at all? Um, well, I actually had words before. So we were um, we were waiting in the. I actually haven't told this one before. Um, we were waiting in the warm up, or not the warm up area. It was before the weigh in, so they kind of lined me up beside each other, and you know, as as fighters do, they have they like to have a bit of an ego trip. So he was like shadow boxing and you know, like punching his hands and all like you know like for me i'm just not that guy like you're, mm-hmm. one you're not you're not going to psych me out and two like i find it weird and awkward so I, I walked up and i shook his hand and i said how are you you know just kind of like you know like just to kind of let know like i don't really care about your your privado or, yeah. or anything like that and then he and then he stopped shadow boxing the 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 thing come down i think it was, a bit, it was a bit of mind games that one mm-hmm. um i've seen many fighters do it over the years so that was the interaction I had before he was nice you know we talked about each other's weight cut and stuff like that and mm-hmm. you know I didn't see him after the fight at all once once the fight was done you know yeah. I, I didn't so listen he'll have a great he'll have a great career for sure and but once I'm back in the UFC and, and string a few wins like you know I, I want that fight back that's for sure the second fight as well Alex Moreno and um, pretty much you were thrown in there with a UFC veteran um, I think you had 12 or 13 UFC fights um, at, at that stage. Really, really good fight. And a question actually that was sent to me by one of the guys for the questions um, for, at the end, but I'm, I'll read it out to you now because I think it just sort of fits where we're, where we're going about, about your entertaining fight style was one that he asked. And is that something that you pride yourself in? Is that something that you want to do? Or is that just naturally how you fight? Uh, good question. I think... Um... My fight style, it goes one of two ways. If you can't stick the heat, then it's a very nice finish for me and I get a nice win. If you can stick the heat and keep up and you have like the skill set, then it's going to be a fantastic fight, if that makes sense. So yeah. um, Morano was able to keep up. But he was able to bring his answers back. Um, you know, yeah, really, really, really fun fight. Not the fight that I, I game planned and trained for, uh, you know. I actually wanted to change and sit back and relax and, and, and let him come to me, but... He then reversed his game plan in the fight and, and sat back. And I thought he would have... So long story short, I'd done what I thought he would do and, and he done what I thought I would have done. <laughs> Weird. Except in those late fights, is there is there a difference in your mentality except in those late fights to maybe having that six-week prep or eight-week prep? The prep, no. Like I, I know I'm, I could always fight someone for five, five-minute rounds and... There, there's many conversations you'll have with fighters about uh, accepting late and short or late fight, late notice fights. Um, and a lot of them will say, and I agree, like the less time you have to think about it sometimes helps. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have, like I had 12 weeks, I believe, before the Murano fight. 
that's 12, like 12 weeks of like kind of thinking about it all the time. That's heavy, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it gets to the stage where me and Rebecca call my opponents by first name basis. Like <laughs> we, that's, that's the truth. Like we'll address them as Alex or Kamza or, you know, whoever it may be. So that's how long it gets. So I, I like I like a bit of a short notice, to be honest. I, I'm not against it. Yeah. But what can we expect to see this year from you? Yeah, that's that's being figured out. Um, for me right now, it's, it's about developing as a fighter. You know, I, I get cut from the UFC to develop. I, I, I think a lot of people get their P45 from the UFC and they get told, you know, um, listen, have a nice career. Um, you know, maybe someday you'll be back. Where I was told, go get two or three wins and you'll be straight back. Go develop a bit early. Very, like, you know, my manager, Graham Boylan, told me that. I trust him. Um you know, so I have a bit of work to do. For, for me, it's not about getting three or four wins as fast as I can and getting back because I'm not the fighter with the skill set that that's ready for the top five or the or the top two yet. Mm-hmm. So me, I'm training now for the UFC fights again. I'm not training for wherever I may be in the interim. I believe I'll go to Cage Warriors and and you know fight some maybe UFC veterans or some whoever guys maybe fight for the belt you know i'm not really interested all i'm interested in is developing and becoming the best version i can for when i get signed again mm-hmm. would you be interested in any of the other bigger companies you know the bellators or the pfl problem with bellator is it takes the ufc dream away um problem with pfl i think it's a post ufc career mm-hmm. um you know cage warriors is the straightest path there it's yeah. the best but you know Look at the, I had three fights with, yeah, three fights with Cage Warriors, got signed to the UFC. Um, you know, I think I'll have another three fights with Cage Warriors and sign to the UFC. That, that's the way I see it going. You fought with Bama, you fought with Cage Warriors, you fought with the UFC. Is there much difference between the, you know, how they treat their fighters and the build up to a fight, hotels that you're staying in, all that sort of stuff? I mean, th- there's a difference. Yeah, there's a difference. Like, everything's shinier at the top but but the basics is the same the fight's the same the gloves are like different color yes but they're they're the same gloves like you know everything's the same but yeah the the basics are the same but the nicer stuff is much nicer uh Mm -hmm. but you know my advice to young fighters and i I always think about this when i was in the ufc i said like you know a young fighter should be very aware that what they're doing now is the exact same of what they will be doing in the ufc so like you know, they ha- you have to enjoy that time. You have to, you know, you have to be grateful for it because it is effectively the exact same for the nice mm-hmm. anything. It's interesting you say that because you stole a march of my next question. My next question was give me some advice for um, an, an aspiring fighter who's coming up through, but I'm going to change it a little bit so I can get you this question. Have you any advice for any aspiring young person that wants to become a fighter and is starting out his career or even wanting to join a gym in that aspect? you know what like it's you know yeah I think just be open-minded you know try not to have try not to have this ego going into the gym you know mm-hmm. try and come in and learn as much as you can you know I think if you're the first on the mat and the last off it you'll never go far wrong mm-hmm. you know ask quit ask more questions than you should you know all that good stuff but I think just really commit and go for it and be open-minded to new ideas and you know it'll be uncomfortable at times but it's it's a journey that's worth it we went sort of full circle um, with, with my next question we will have. You know, we talked about it at the start of the podcast where um, when things are going really, really well, everyone's behind you. And then sometimes when it's not going so well, there's doubts and there's questions. 
Um, but when things were going really, really well for you earlier on in your career, you won British and World Lightweight titles. Is the is the goal long term? I know we've talked about your short term goal of developing. Is that long term goal to hold gold again? Yeah, yeah, like you know, I'm not. If I'm being honest, I'm not really too interested in a British title. I'm not too interested in uh, in a world title anymore. I'm interested in the UFC title now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and like it's not I've been there done that mentality, but um, it's the only one I kind of aspire to now. You know, it's the only one I'm, I'm kind of chasing. I feel like I've got the favor the other one. Uh, so yeah, gold. You know, gold's always nice and gold's always on the mind, but it's only going to be one that really is the one I really want at the minute. I'm not saying I don't want these other ones, but you know, it just doesn't mean as much when you've kind of done it. Just before we finish the podcast with some of the fan submitted stuff, I have a couple of little quick fire questions I'd like to ask you. Um, is there any fighter who inspires you the most or is there any fighter who you look up to the most? I like Adesanya at the minute because, um, well, skinny power and all that. <laughs> uh, super. Uh, great fighter. And um, how do you see his next fight going? Uh, oh, he's got, yes. Um, you know what? It's going to be interesting. I think um, I think he might actually look the best he's ever looked because he's going to be a lot faster. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think, uh, as always, I think in a good Adesanya fight, he overcomes adversity. And then gets it done. So I, I always hope for my favorite fighters to get tested and then overcome it because then they rise to another level. Yeah. Um, you know, which I believe you will. I believe you will be tested. Next question for you. And I agree with what you've said there. I'm really looking forward to it as well. Next question. I always ask a fantasy fight matchup. So if there's a video game and any all the MMA fighters are in it, these can be past, present, whatever, and you could fantasy book a fight. What fight are you booking? It can be yourself and someone, or it could just be two fighters you would just love to sit back and watch. I don't know what answer. I'll give you. I'll give you two answers. I think the logic that we would love to see is GSP and Khabib. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, it's a really good question. Um, you know, I'll throw a wobbler. I'd like to see Nate and Nick fight. <laughs> okay. Getting like Diaz fight, and I bet no one's ever really thought about that. But imagine how good a fight that would be. You know, that'd be a fantastic fight at 170, in my opinion. So I reckon that fight's happened about a hundred times in their living room. Oh. <laughs> right. But imagine how much I think it would do so well pay per view. So you know, Dana White needs to needs to get that. <laughs> I would indeed. If you could fight in any arena in the world, and there could be fans, what arena would you pick? Has to be has to be Windsor, doesn't it? Like Windsor Park, um, Belfast. I think like that would just be uh, sensational. But it has to be in the UFC, and it has to be like you know a big fight. At, like I wouldn't want. I would hate for the UFC. I don't think the UFC will come to Windsor Park, but I think if they were, and I end up in like a really first fight, it wouldn't be a special. But imagine end of the night buzzing mm-hmm. at Windsor Park. I'd be. I think that would be phenomenal. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Obviously, I think I That'd be class and their T-Mobiles and mm-hmm. you know that would be fantastic but home's home and yeah it'd be fantastic would you ever do any type of event in the Balamina showgrounds if there was um, some sort of promotion or some sort of fight type thing I don't even know what I'm trying to ask you but if there was a fight and there was yeah. a thing in the showgrounds would that be it, something that would, you would entertain at some stage like if 
like I don't know if, if it was it would ever be in the realms of possible, but like if say I had two wins with Cage Wars and they want to do Balamina or somewhere, I would I you know flip out. That would be crazy, but it, it'd be fantastic. Yeah, hundred percent, I would. You know, and I also like I've ran a few events myself, uh, the Fight Project, um, so. Maybe we'll book the maybe we'll book the showgrounds. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good fun. I think it's I think it'd be sellout too. I think the whole town would be out, and you'd have people from all across Northern Ireland coming. I think, especially yeah. MMA fans that maybe we don't really get that opportunity to get the many live events. No, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, listen, it's definitely it could be possible. Well, let's move on to some of the Q and A submitted on Instagram. I don't, this one was actually sent to me in a WhatsApp chat because the person doesn't have Instagram and my friend sent it. So it sounds like a bit of a Lord of the Rings character. Jake Friend of Allen has asked, aside from SBG, there's loads of gyms about and some great talent. What Irish gyms are up and coming gyms and what Irish fighters do you know or heard of that you think could be big up and comers? You know what, there's like, uh, like I, I do some training up at FAI in Belfast, um, the likes of your Paul Hughes, um, you know, fantastic talent, uh, down in uh, Newry, you have Deggy Magalinen, uh, Rory Larbury's and everyone, like there's so many good fighters, and then you have Team KF in Dublin with the likes of Ian Gary and uh, Taka and, and stuff like that, so there's, listen, there's some fantastic fighters in the country, but uh, the answer is, you know, they're all good, it's kind of, pick your location and that would be my best one probably another question here submitted from mark what is your hardest amateur fight um you know what i remember the the battles on one of my last ones it was against a guy baldrum and i remember he was like eight or nine and oh with all the ko's and he knocked my teammate out three or four weeks before i fought him and i remember that one being like mentally tough like like i remember thinking if he clipped me it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be too fun you know, but then I knocked him out, so it, it, it was a hard fight, but the fight was the easiest part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another one here from Dave614. I don't know who Dave614 is, um, but Dave has asked about your tattoos. He says you have a lot of tattoos. Do any of them have specific meanings for you? Mm, not really. Like, I mean, I, I have tattoos I like and stuff. You know, I've got my dad's signature in my hand, which, you know, which is meaningful, of course, but... Um, not really. I, I kind of just like, you know, got obsessed tattooed as well. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just, just all little things, but nothing means that much. Bar, bar the signature tattoo, you know, um, I don't look up, I don't look at any of them in every day and think, flip, I'm, I'm so glad I got that. <laughs> Another one for you. Do you have a favorite cheat meal? <laughs> oh, flip. <laughs> my life is a cheat meal at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> burger, uh, you know, my burger. I like five guys. Like, I think uh, the tinfoil combination on a burger is just second to none. And that'll not be beat. So I'm a burger guy. Do you have a favorite Spotify playlist or any go-to songs? Yeah. Yes, uh, Morgan Wallen is the only guy that where it's where it's worth listening to. Uh, a bit of American company for you. If if you don't know, you should know. Um, <laughs> that's who I'm listening to at the minute. So it's actually my training playlist today. So it was, I think, at the end. Uh, Morgan Wallen is the guy. No, another question for you. Um, I don't know who this person is. Do you have a dream car? No, no, uh, yeah, I have. You know, I have so many dream cars. Like I, I have, I, I, I could pick a new one tomorrow. I'd like a G wagon. I'd like an RS five. I like, I like, you know, I listen. I like my own car. My own car makes me smile every day. Um, so, yeah, okay. 
I do, but I think now that I've had uh, like the car, I kind of want it. Like I think I'm I'm kind of happy, but you know, uh, yeah, uh, like there's many cars. Maybe a G wagon or a Lamborghini, a, an all black Lamborghini with stealth on it would be pretty <laughs> a stealth number plate. There's the businessman coming out advertising. We're <laughs> <laughs> at the minute. <laughs> you mentioned earlier um, a couple of. After a couple of wins and you get back to UFC and you're fighting away, you would actually like that Kamzat uh, fight again. Um, a question here was: Is there any other fights in your career that you would like again? Oh, um, yeah, there there was. Well, Terry Brazier, I wanted to fight him again, but I know he retired. Um, again, it's not that I wanted it again; it wouldn't have done much for me. But it's one of I have a problem with fights that I know I should have won. Um, you know that annoys me I'd like the Murano one back again but I'm not going to be the guy that comes back to the UFC and says he wants to rerun his whole career uh, <laughs> okay, I mean not there's not there's none I lose sleep over put it that way but I, I definitely I would like the cams that one back um, and if, yeah that's that's really the only one mm-hmm. how do you set your goals and how do you push to reach your goals do you have a specific way of setting goals and reaching them you know, like, I mean, I've actually, I've probably got out of the way of how I maybe used to do it. I think at the minute I kind of, I kind of just, I kind of know what I want and I, and I just try and get there. At the minute I don't have any real good system for, you know, I used to like write stuff down and work towards it and stuff like that, which is definitely the best way to do it. Like if anybody wants to work towards your goals, you have to write it down and set up a plan towards it. But for me at the minute, I'm just kind of like with COVID and all, it's hard to pick dates and stuff. So and just striving to be the best we can every day. And, you know, whether that's my own career or the gym or, or personal life, like just do what you can, you know? So that's a bit of a rubbish answer, but it's, it's a real answer. <laughs> your, what's your pet hate? Mm, pet hate. Rebecca, man. Those are, I don't know. <laughs> what's my pet hate, would you say? <laughs> you, know, you know what? I'm not a fan of noisy eaters. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm not definitely not she's probably the opposite but um, I, I can't if I'm sitting somewhere and like there's noisy ears like yeah I'll get very agitated from like so quick that, that's definitely my pet hate probably <laughs> that smack inside from across the room <laughs> kill me <laughs> uh, this is a brilliant question I'm going to finish with this question from Lewis Dunbar he said, what helps you switch off between your fighting life and your personal life? And maybe that's a hard question because we talked earlier about being obsessed and you're thinking about it when you're eating your dinner and stuff. So is there a way to switch off? I honestly don't believe I found it. Um, it's, like, it's, it's a hard question in terms of like, everybody's looking for an answer to it. Um, I don't feel if you're that obsessed and you're that in it, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if it's possible uh, personally um you know the the dogs help having a busy personal life helps you know i think for me which is kind of doesn't really make my switch off from fighting a stealth what my switch off for stealth is i'm not too sure just yet <laughs> non-stop for you right now anyway but yeah reese this has been a really good podcast i've loved it i've loved picking your brain i've loved asking you a lot of random questions but questions that maybe i felt maybe people haven't heard the answers to before and I know it's a Saturday afternoon with you. So again, I know Rebecca's there. She's probably patiently waiting. When When's this guy going to shut up? So um, I just want to thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. And if anyone wants to reach out to you on social media, you're, you're at Stealth and you're also in your own personal account. Am I right? 
Yep, yeah, just Reese McKee across all, all platforms, really. Nothing nothing to hide from, so just Reese McKee. Mm-hmm. Well, Reese, it's, it's been my pleasure having you on the podcast. Uh, once again, thanks for, for coming on the show. It's been fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks, folks, for listening to the chat with Reese. I hope you enjoyed it. The entry into Reese's mindset, the obsession, the dedication, and the hard work that he goes through to be able to fight professionally. Just a reminder, rest of the month, it's Grant Dawson, Raphael Stotts, Sam Alvey, and Scotty Stockman. Just a reminder, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, at The Podcast. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend.